Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah wa barakatuh. Um, I want to say uh, first, I welcome everybody here. It's so good to see you all again. Alhamdulillah. Um, it's a great joy to be among lovers. And uh, I can see the love in the faces that I'm looking at. And uh, when lovers come together, love grows. May we have fertile ground today. The path of Sufism is a path of maturity. We're all born into this world, and we all age, but we don't necessarily become mature. Maturity and growing older unfortunately are not directly correlated. I wish they were. It would make it, it, would make it much easier for all of us. But Allah has not made it automatic. Uh, he's, he's made it necessary for work to occur in order for this maturity to occur. Now, what kind of work is it that brings about uh, this maturity? What is it that causes maturity? Even more essential, what is maturity? In the world, we are constantly in situations where there's conflict. And within us, we have needs and desires. And these needs and desires constantly push themselves to the forefront of our existence. Inside of us, we have a lower self. Within this lower self, there's a lawyer. And this lawyer is constantly rationalizing why it's appropriate for us to go for the things that we want. Why it's appropriate for us to put our own self-interest in front of any other interest. Why it's appropriate for us to fulfill our desire. And this lawyer is very clever. And he can convince us of almost anything. He's almost as clever as the lawyers who argued in front of the Supreme Court of the United States and said pornography is reasonable. He's that, he's that clever. Lawyers can be very clever. Unless we are mature, we can't be clever enough to respond to this lawyer. So when our self-interest moves forward and comes and says, get this, want this, do this, and we say, well, I can't because I don't think it's appropriate, then the lawyer begins to argue. And he says, well, of course it's appropriate. Look what he did to you. Look what they did to you. You need this not only for yourself. You'll be able to help others with it later. There's a thousand and one different scenarios that this lawyer can create. The only 
one who can adequately respond to this rationalization is wisdom. Wisdom doesn't come without maturity. So not only is asking the question, how do we become mature, an interesting question, it's important for our life because if we don't understand how it happens, we can't understand how to defend ourselves against our lower self. We can't respond to all the rationalizations that pour up from our depths to tell us why what we're doing is okay and we don't need to change. A fruit ripens and a ripe fruit has a taste and that taste is a proof of the quality of the fruit. We as individuals learn and we garner knowledge. However, garnering knowledge without putting knowledge into action is like a fruit that isn't ripe. Many fruits grow, but that ripening process doesn't happen. You bite into what looks like a ripe fruit and bleh! That's what knowledge without action is. Now all of us are very capable of reading and memorizing knowledge, incorporating knowledge into our response system so that when we have a conversation the intellect can be very very smart and show off all that it's learned. But if we don't take what we've learned and actually put it into action there's no benefit to the knowledge. It doesn't mean anything. Now, not all knowledge is knowledge that's worthy of being put into action. Not all knowledge will take you towards maturity. There's lots of knowledge that you can learn in this world that will make you money, get you status, uh, create a comfortable life for you, but it won't make you mature in a spiritual sense. It might make you mature in a worldly sense. It might gain you the respect of people on Wall Street. It might gain you the respect of people within the legal or the medical or the business community. But it won't get you anywhere in a spiritual sense. So spiritual knowledge is different than the kind of knowledge that's used in the world. And what is spiritual knowledge? The kind of knowledge that leads to wisdom. That knowledge is tied in to the qualities of Allah. So in order to be able to gain maturity, we have to somehow gain 
the qualities of Allah. And this is a process that has many phases. The first phase is learning about these qualities. What are they? Now, you can read about them in books, or you can be fortunate and be blessed by Allah to put you in front of a saint who manifests them, who actually has incorporated those qualities into his being so that when you're with him, these qualities are manifest and are apparent to the people sitting in front of them if they have the eyes to see. Not everybody has the eyes to see. One of the things that we have to do is relieve ourselves, literally, of all our preconceptions to the extent that we can actually see what we're looking at without manifesting on what we're looking at all of our own ideas and preconceptions. If we're able to do that, if we're able to look at what we're seeing, we can get an idea and then we can begin to imitate. If we don't have that opportunity, we can read of the stories of the saints and there are a multitude of them. We can read the hadith of the prophet. We can read the stories of the companions. We can read about what they did in certain situations. And what they did is maturity in action. What they did is bring wisdom into being. Bring a true understanding of things into being. The Christians have a uh, saying. WWJD. What would Jesus do? The point being that they've set up Isa as the manifest wisdom of the universe. And when they confront a situation they say, what would the manifest wisdom of the universe do? Now, you see, that pause between a situation and action that says, what would the manifest wisdom of the world do is the beginning of maturity. Because now, we no longer just act in response to a situation. We say, what would the manifest wisdom of the world do in this situation? As we begin to understand that, as we begin to truly ask that question, the answers will begin to come to us. And what will those answers do? They will put that Naf's lawyer in his place. They will tell him, no, this isn't the way it is, because what you're talking about doesn't consider compassion, doesn't consider mercy, doesn't consider the qualities of Allah. What you're talking about considers my own 
passion, my own will, my own ideas. It's a limited, limited response to a situation. What I'm looking for is a much greater response to the situation, a response from the manifest wisdom within the world. And what we should be doing is setting our goal at that level. Setting our goal at a level that's outside of our own passion, outside of our own will, outside of our own desire. At first, this is difficult. It's like the first time you go into court. You get nervous and you become overwhelmed. But as you do this more and more often, it's like anything you do often over and over and over again. You become practiced at it. And you have to be practiced at it because that lawyer is relentless. He never stops. The lower self is not something that goes away from us. We walk around with it. Now, what we can do is we can insulate and isolate and understand how it works and respond to it and keep moving in the appropriate direction. <clears throat> in the world, there is a scarcity of uh, commodities. And everybody, the various nations, fight over this scarcity of commodities. Wars occur because of this scarcity of commodities. People are constantly killed because they're living in a place where somebody wants to get something out of that earth. What's in the earth becomes more important than the lives of the people, so they have to be moved. World War II started because, from Japan's point of view, because they weren't given access to the commodities that they needed to run their industrial engine. Between people, when people's will is in play, there is a scarcity of commodities. Both of us can't have our way. Our way becomes the commodity that there's a scarcity of. Our way or your way. Our way or their way. My opinion of or your opinion. We fight over these things in the same way that governments fight over oil and iron and copper and those kinds of things. We have these real needs to be able to hold on to these things and protect them. Maturity begins to understand that what we're labeling commodities, what we think are necessary, are ephemeral and without meaning. We've made them into reality because we've labeled them real. They're illusory, they're made of illusion, 
they have no existence and they'll fly away from us as quickly as our next thought. It's only when we grasp thoughts and begin to defend them that we're put into the position of conflict. Wisdom understands the ephemeral nature of thought, the ephemeral nature of opinion, the ephemeral nature of holding on to these things, and wisdom is able to cut them loose. The nafs are in the business of holding on to them. Wisdom is in the business of cutting them loose. Our mind and our thinking process is not wisdom. Our mind and our thinking process is not mature in the spiritual sense of maturity. Our mind is like a monkey, and a monkey's home is the next branch. There's no peace there. In the same way, our mind's home is the next thought, the next conflict, the next confrontation, the next act of defense. But there is no peace. There's just the next. Wisdom takes next out of the equation, which the mind can't do. It can only live in the past or in the future. It can't live in the present. Wisdom can put you into the moment and make you comfortable there. It can change your equation from anxiety to peace. It can release all of the conflicts that arise and bubble through our system and do away with them. It can stop the world and allow us to get off. In the sense that we step outside of the illusory nature of our existence and step into Allah's realm and have the quietude and the certitude and the peace that comes from that move. In order to do that, we have to be conscious that it's possible. In order to do that, we have to set an intention that it's our desire to do that. You see, there are certain desires that work. Baal Mahayadeen said, there's only one desire that has a cure, and that's the desire to know and understand Allah. So we need to change the framework of the way we run our life. We need to change the priorities in our life. And we have to constantly check ourselves to see if we're doing it. We have to develop a honest witness within us who watches us and reports to us in an honest manner that we're doing things appropriately or we're doing things inappropriately. We have to be in touch with the state of our being 
and we have to be able to recognize it and know what level it is at. And this has to be something that we do every day because Satan doesn't need to get you to become a murderer. He just needs to get you into conversation because once he has you in a conversation, you're no longer focused on the reality of your existence. You're focused on his conversation. And he can speak about anything under the face of the earth. And he can speak about it in a degraded way that appears, that appears to be appropriate. So we need to understand the subtle nature of Allah's truth, the subtle nature of our relationship with other people, the subtle nature of what we're able to give, the subtle nature of how little we really need for our existence. The Holy Ones have told us that one of the gates to reality is poverty. Poverty in this world today can be expressed in different ways, but one of the ways it can be expressed is the absolute non-attachment to wealth. You can be without anything, but if you're constantly desirous of gold, you're not poor. You're just in a state of heat over gold, but you could live in a mansion. And if your sense of desire is non-existent, all the surroundings have no meaning to you. In this country, there's wealth everywhere. The question is, what's your attachment to it? Bawa told us there's the wooden spoon and the aluminum spoon. The wooden spoon stirs the pot and every single taste that's in the soup goes into the wood. The aluminum spoon stirs the pot and just does its work, but it's inert to all that touches it. We need to become inert to all the magnetisms, the hypnotisms, the pushes, the pulls, the attractions, the tastes of the world. And as we become inert to those, then we begin to learn how to taste Allah. If you're eating tons of sugar every day, you can't taste a red pepper. But if you stop eating sugar and you stop eating processed food, a red pepper can become overwhelmingly sweet. But there has to be a change in the way we do things. There has to be a change in the way we approach things. There has to be a change in our attitude and a change in the way we bring ourselves into action. And we have to watch our action. Knowledge without appropriate action is without value. As our actions become appropriate, we begin to alter the taste that we have to others becomes different. All of a sudden, we can be a ripe fruit in the
the room and other people can smell the sweetness of the ripeness and get the taste of the truth. Each of us needs to do this for our sake and for the sake of everyone else around us. The Quran says that if you save one life, you saved the entire universe. How do you save a life? You save a life by bringing it into reality. Whose life is your first obligation to bring into reality? Well, until you bring your own life into reality, you can't bring anybody else's life in reality because you don't know what it is. So we must first save our own life and then we can become those who assist Allah in saving the life of others. This is the work that somehow we've all been placed on. This is the work that we've been given. We've been blessed by being the ones whose paths have crossed the paths of the Holy Ones. We saw the work that the Holy Ones do. May Allah give us the strength and the ability and His grace so we can continue their work. Amin, amin. Ya Rabbil Alameen. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.